ओम ज्ञान चिरंधस्यज्ञानंजनशलाकाय चक्षुरनीलितम येना तस्मै श्री गुरवे नमः so there were some questions left over from the class you're supposed to answer them at this time our question they didn't ask all right well if there are any other questions related to krishna consciousness okay what is the real freedom and independence real freedom and independence does not exist anywhere the only really free and independent person is krishna but he's also controlled by his devotees love aham bhakta paradhino nahiya swatantra ibadvija he says that i am not independent i am controlled by the i i am subordinate to the love of my devotees in the beginning of bhagavatam the supreme absolute truth is described as swarat independent he's the boss he's in control of everything that's only a show to that's only that is a a show to make people convinced that he's god for people who believe in power as the highest principle but there's a higher principle than power that's called love and krishna is controlled by that so no one is no one is free but there is a higher principle than freedom and that is called love if there's love then uh, there's no freedom because one is obliged to others actually krishna is fully independent he can do whatever he likes the jiva has no such f- faculty or facility jiva neither no faculty nor facility jiva by definition is limited by dharma the the dharma dharma means the intrinsic unchangeable nature so the intrinsic unchangeable nature of the jiva is to be subordinate to and controlled by krishna krishna is the supreme independent personality of godhead he can do whatever he likes but he is also controlled by the love of his devotees he becomes subordinate by the intense devotion of his devotees the 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 very desire of the jiva to be free and independent is a symptom of his misunderstanding of what is in his own best interest one who is thinking i shall be free i shall be independent means he wants to be free from krishna serving krishna he wants to independently be powerful america is committed to the principle of freedom the, or the or the western world grew up on this principle of freedom of the individual liberté fraternité égalité the three principles of the french revolution we should not be dominated by others we should have liberty fraternity and egalitarianism yeah the principle of freedom is considered so important in the modern western world that they go to war on the basis of it they go and kill people and bomb people and so that they can be free 
This is cited as one of the major justifications for America to attack Iraq, that the people are not free. They're under a despot. They should have free elections and choose who they want to rule over them. It's, it's considered practically a sacred principle. Sacred in the sense that they're willing to go, they're, they're willing to fight, and they, they think it's worth killing quite a few people just for the sake of establishing this nebulous principle. The nebulous, it means uh, difficult, it's not, you can't really define it properly, you're not really sure what it is. It's somewhat doubtful. So in that respect, I'm saying it's sacred because it resembles, just like in, in the medieval times, the, uh, the good Christians used to attack the Muslims for the sake of religion, that we should save the holy places, the crusades. The Czech noblemen also marched off to the Holy Land in the crusades. Is it? Was it? It's most of the... The good Christians of Europe, they would march off to Palestine to fight against the Muslim, Muslims, to save the Holy Land, the sacred principle. Now they say that, well, see, religion is very bad because it caused so many wars. But now in the name of secular principles, freedom of the individual, they're also fighting wars. Anyway, the point is that freedom is considered very important. The individual should have the freedom to choose what he wants to do. And it's considered that in the modern liberal ethic is that one should have freedom to do whatever he likes, uh, whatever he wants to do, as long as it doesn't harm others. And one should have full freedom to do what he likes as much as possible, the pursuit of happiness. In the pursuit of happiness. So, uh, homosexuality is okay, as long as it doesn't harm others. If you want to, do it. As long as your partner is willing, do it. And um, if you don't like your wife, then divorce her and marry someone else's wife. And it's all right, because if you're not happy, then better be happy with someone else's wife, if you'll be more happy with them. The main thing is everyone should be happy for as long as possible, as much as possible. And we should have lots of pornography because if it makes you happy, that's good. Dobre. And if all that drives you crazy, it doesn't matter because we're studying psych- psychology and psychiatry, so you can, we'll give you treatment at $100 an hour. So you can again become a normal, balanced person and go back to watching pornographic movies and having sex with your next-door neighbor and his wife. And it's all... You should have the freedom to do so, as long as they agree. You shouldn't do it forcibly, but if they're willing partners, then it's all okay. So in this way, in the name of uh, freedom, human society has progressed to the level of sophisticated pigs. Not ordinary pigs, but sophisticated pigs being ignorant of the laws of nature, that we might think it's okay to do whatever we like, but God, who happens to be running the show around here, um, he doesn't. And although the laws of the state may not coincide with the laws of God, 
the laws of God go on working nevertheless. So we do have a certain amount of freedom to do whatever we like, but then that freedom terminates when uh, we, that supposed freedom terminates and then uh, we're not free to do what we like because we have to suffer for millions of years in hell and we don't get the chance to do what we like or rather we're subjected to many things which we don't like at all. So this idea of having as much freedom as possible is actually foolishness. Rather an intelligent person should see that we are controlled. We don't choose to die, but we die. We don't choose to die. We don't have the freedom to choose whether or not we shall die. But we die. It is forced upon us. We don't choose to get sick, but it happens to us anyway. Practically, this so-called freedom, we're trying to escape from the circumstances we're in, but they're forced upon us. So an intelligent person should rather see that we are controlled and try to find out where we fit in in the universal plan. We're not independent. Nothing is independent. Every atom in the universe is uh, acting in response to other atoms. So, this much freedom we have, the freedom to responsibly uh, recognize our position as the servants of Krishna or irresponsibly deny that. That much freedom we have. There's another question. Yeah. Where, uh, where should a man search for love, happiness and satisfaction where it's actually available obviously where do you get vegetables from you have to go to the proper source if you're going shopping in the city you want to buy vegetables you have to go to the vegetable market not to the electric store so we should find out where that is available first we should ascertain that What is it? Love, happiness? And uh, satisfaction. Satisfaction, yeah. So, all these three, they are, they come together as a package. There's no, love means happiness and satisfaction comes with real love. And real happiness means love and satisfaction. And satisfaction means love and happiness. But we should see that none of these exist in pure and lasting form in material existence. So we should find out where they actually exist. Where do they actually exist? Krishna is the reservoir of all love, happiness and satisfaction, is it not? So we should go to Krishna. Revive our love for Krishna. The, the devotee and the non-devotee, they both meet under the desire tree. So, what is their future for both of them? They meet under a desire tree. Yeah. A, a devotee and a non-devotee meet under a desire tree. Well, generally a desire tree is not offered to the non-devotees. Because non-devotees, they if they have the facility to choose whatever they like, they almost always misuse that. Krishna himself is 
Kalpataru, one of the names of Krishna, he's wish-fulfilling tree, but one should know how to desire, otherwise one will misuse that. Both the devotee and the non-devotee have desires, but the devotee, he dovetails all his desires in the service of Krishna. Whereas a non-devotee, he desires to enjoy separately from Krishna, which is a disaster for himself. In the material existence, desire is the cause of all distress. The Buddhists, it's one of their main, it's practically the main principle of their teachings, is that desire is the cause of all suffering. Therefore, the aim in Buddhism is to stop all desire. Whereas the Vaishnava principle is to uh, channel all our desires towards the satisfaction of Krishna. Oh. Yeah. The, Anyone else has questions they can write down? The last one, if you can describe some of your personal experience with Srila uh, Prabhupada. Did you say they can write down more questions? Yeah. Okay. Well, many devotees asked me that, so I I wrote a book on that subject. That makes it easier for me. I just say, take the book. I used to get so many questions about Brahmacharya life, I thought it's, rather than answering the same questions over and over again, it's easier to write a book. The so book is there, it's in English, but if you you maybe find someone to uh, translate it for you. Re- yeah. Read it to you, if you'd like to hear. I don't have that many memories, actually. The... Uh, Hearing Prabhupada's memories is very sweet, isn't it? Very inspiring. Inspiruitsi. But. How can there be a but for this? How can there be anything wrong in hearing Prabhupada's memories? There's certainly nothing wrong in hearing Prabhupada's memories. But still I have a but or something to qualify this. this. There may be a tendency to think of Prabhupada as a historical figure who lived in the past and those who saw him saw him and it's all over now. So hearing Prabhupada's memories is most valuable if we think how to uh, integrate the teachings of Srila Prabhupada in our lives now our ongoing relationship with Srila Prabhupada. This uh, Czech Yatra is based on distributing Srila Prabhupada's books. Actually, it's not meant to be only the Czech Yatra. Prabhupada wrote that our Krishna consciousness movement is based on distributing transcendental literature. He didn't write only in the Czech Republic, but he said the Krishna conscious movement. So this means keeping the spirit of Śrīla Prabhupāda alive. If we think, well, that was Prabhupāda memories, that was in those days, but now we're doing something different, then then we've made Prabhupāda into a museum figure. So let's not make Prabhupāda into a... He's not a museum figure, but our attempt to do so will uh, cut us off from him if we don't realize that we're living with Prabhupada, 
then what are we doing in this movement anyway? We, we have to live by Prabhupada's instruction and by his desire, living for the purpose of pleasing him. And he will, he will and he is reciprocating with that. This is not some esoteric mysticism that I'm talking about. It's, it should be a fact of our lives at every moment. Chanting our japa, we're chanting, try and chant nicely so that Prabhupada will be satisfied with that. Mind is wandering away, oh, Prabhupada won't be pleased with that. Okay, bring it back. Distributing books, Prabhupada will be pleased with this. People will take the teachings as received from Srila Prabhupada. Hmm. Then, what else? That's all I Anything have. Else came in? Wait, aren't you going to take the written ones? Or what? Yeah. Okay. Thank right. you. There's a question from the class or what? Uh, so the, go ahead with the written question. Yeah. Why uh, do we have to suffer in hell for such a long time, even for a short, uh, short-lasting sin? Is it not an injustice? Well, a sin may just uh, take a few seconds to perform but its effect goes is more than just a few seconds for instance if you kill a person it may take only one second to kill them but the uh, the effect is that so many years of his life are cut off and it sets a bad example in human society for others that may encourage them to do so also the suffering in hell is is not the real suffering in material Whatever suffering there is in material life is, is not the actual suffering. The real suffering for the jiva is that we are separated from Krishna. But we don't realize that in our deluded state. We think that my happiness is when I get sense enjoyment and my suffering is when I, I'm inflicted with torture. So actually everything in this material world is hellish. Who would like to go on a nice holiday in Hawaii with lots of, have a nice place to stay with nice food and and you you can have free treatment at the beauty parlor and everything you want how nice it would be but no 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 mongolarity no chanting round no you just have to forget krishna that's hellish isn't it for one who knows what krishna consciousness is they'd rather be at some summer camp like this where it's it's not really summer anyway, but here it's always winter. And it, it's austere living conditions. They'd rather be here with, it was, there's no question, rather be here with the devotees than in any, any imaginable situation without Krishna consciousness. So these hellish punishments are there to, to warn the conditioned soul not to sink down to the level of tamagun in which one's consciousness is so much covered that there's very little chance of taking to Krishna consciousness. Uh, the, the Krishna says in Bhagavad Gita, if I uh, give up the objects of sense gratification, but in my mind I'm always engaged with, with sense enjoyment, this is hypocrisy. And if I try for spiritual life 
but at the same time, I from time to time I have some sense enjoyment that is also a hypocrisy. So the question is, what is a greater hypocrisy? Well, one shouldn't be a hypocrite, either a great hypocrite or a lesser hypocrite. But uh, after the Mithyachara verse, Lord Krishna says that one who, uh, instead of artificially renouncing when he's not fit for it, one who uh, follows the regulated principles, uh, the principles that regulate enjoyment and, and tries to become purified, such a person is better. So we have the regulated principles in Krishna consciousness, and one should follow them. It's not expected that one will immediately become a, a topmost Paramahamsa. But if one follows these principles, then he's on the path. So that is the honest path. Another one. Yeah. That is actually connected with the morning class. That yeah. If you can say more about Lila Shakti, how it works, and what is its relationship with Yoga Maya. Yoga Maya means Lila Shakti. It's another name. The inner man. Yeah. How does it work? How does it work? Well, even Krishna doesn't know. So how are we going to know? Krishna becomes subordinate to his lila shakti. That works. Uh, lila shakti works out of the desire to. Uh, facilitate Krishna's enjoyment. That's how the whole spiritual world works. A material world, nothing works. Whatever we try, everything goes wrong, ultimately. Because it's based on the principle of trying to forget Krishna. So that goes on by the Bahiranga Shakti. It doesn't work because it's based on the... It's based on an... Uh, on a principle which by its very nature is dis, must cause dysfunction. The, the material world works on the principle that how the jiva should enjoy separately from Krishna. It doesn't work, it can never work, it's impossible to work. And Krishna, he uh, agrees to be subordinate to his lila shakti. Although, inconceivably, uh, even when he is thinking, now I have to suck my mother's breasts. At the same time, he also knows that I'm the Supreme Personality of Godhead. But both things go on simultaneously, even though they're contradictory moods, but everything is possible in the Supreme Lord. Hmm. Uh, in your book, Glimpses of the Traditional Indian Life, you describe this simple village life in Bangladesh, Bengal, is the purpose of this book to to induce the the so-called developed Western civilization to go back to this simple way of life? And how does it go together with the principle of Yukta Vairagya? Well, um, it was mostly written for devotees to give them the idea of uh, how we can live how it's possible to live simply like that. Because Srila Prabhupada very much wanted that devotees will uh, take up this simple way of life 
living on the land and basing their uh, life on living simply and saving time for chanting Hare Krishna. When we say, how does this, uh, how does this principle of simple living, how is that interface with yukta vairagya? I'm not sure what you mean by yukta, by what your understanding of yukta vairagya is. I, I find there's often misunderstandings about yukta vairagya. Sure. Yukta vairagya means you do what you do what you like for sense gratification and offer it to Krishna. That's not yukta vairagya. That's that's uh, karma yoga at best. Yukta by the principle of yukta vairagya, we can live with the, within the modern society and use its facilities for the sake of preaching. But uh, Ultimately, for, for practicing Krishna consciousness, the traditional lifestyle as described in that book is more conducive. So we should do whatever is best for developing our own Krishna consciousness and trying to spread that to others. It may seem that living simply on the land is not the best thing to do, but in the, Prabhupada's long-term vision, it is. Vision. We should have faith in that vision. And certainly we, we find that devotees uh, living in modern society that they they intermingle so much with non-devotees and they're dependent on the the transport system and the economic system and they, they just take so much bad association and they don't they're working and they don't have time for cultivating Krishna consciousness properly so uh it's not very conducive for, for developing Krishna consciousness. So ideally, unless a devotee really has some serious business to do in preaching in the cities, better that they go to, the, go to village communities and take up Krishna consciousness there. It's a big job to establish. It's not such an easy thing to establish such communities considering the present economic system. But on principle, uh, it's as a principle, it's certainly better to take up. Uh, it's certainly better for practicing Krishna consciousness if we do so in our own communities, living simply, uh, and not putting the focus on economic development as in uh, or, or artificial economic development as is in modern society. A další je, když vzdáváme poklony Tulasi, Vrindai, Tulasi, Deviai, a co je správně, Vishnu Bhakti, Pradedevi nebo Krishna Bhakti? Perennial question. Mm. The Shastra gives the word Vishnu in this verse. Philosophically it's not incorrect to say Krishna. In one of the earliest translation or renditions I, I think the first is the verse Vaishnava song where they put Krishna Bhakti. Someone decided that they knew better than Vyasadeva. And uh, this question has been coming ever since. But it's better to follow what's in Shastra, which is Vishnu Bhakti. Hmm. You spoke about your book for Brahmacharis. So where can I learn something about uh, life of a householder? In Krishna consciousness, 
especially when one of the uh, couple is a uh, Krishna conscious and the other one is neutral towards serving Krishna and only tolerates it. Another perennial question. Each situation is, uh, each individual situation has its own specific characteristics. It's better that uh, devotees in householder life, they be under the guidance of some senior householder devotees who can guide them according to their particular circumstances. I avoided that one, but really, um, that's required. I, I, you know, I, I, you can give a, I can give a general answer, but then if the, if the, if there is, if I give some kind of general reply, but, but it, it may not fit your circumstances. So you really need, yeah. you really need some personal guidance for all these complex issues. Anyway, if this, if the spouse is neutral then it's more favorable than if the spouse is antagonistic however difficult our difficulties may be they could be worse and however difficult they may be you may be sure that there are plenty others who are in more difficult circumstances and even if somehow or other we happen to be in the most difficult circumstances of anyone in the whole universe which is unlikely but then we are very good candidates for Krishna's mercy. So on the whole, there's nothing to lament about. And the conclusion is, chant Hare Krishna and be happy. Uh, sometimes the karma yoga and jnana yoga are presented as a gradual process. And at other times, they are identified directly with bhakti yoga. Is it only different angles of vision or how to understand it properly? Um, you said it in Czech. You read yeah. it out in Czech, yeah. Um, yeah, we have to understand according to... Karma yoga can mean a more or less separate process and karma yoga can mean bhakti and similarly so for jnana yoga. We have to see according to the context in which the terms are used. Karma, or, or, karma yoga is generally um, defined as the process of acting according to the Vedic karmakanda directions, but offering the fruits to Krishna or offering the fruits in yajna. But karma yoga can also be used for activities in Krishna consciousness. Karma yoga means the path of activities that link us with the Supreme. And according to the uh, activities and consciousness of the performer that may be the uh, karma kandya karma yoga or it may mean bhakti yoga also so again we have to see the context in which the term is being used and the same applies for jnana yoga also how can we actually how can we? It's appreciate how can we? It's a how this can is, we question this is very special how can we because it says how can we appreciate actually the activities of devotees who are Krishna conscious, although we are full of 
uh, envy towards devotees and we don't understand them. You said it in Czech already? Yeah. yeah okay. Well, we can't. That's all. Ravan didn't appreciate Vibhishana. But if we have the desire in, within our envious heart to appreciate devotees, then it comes to the same as every other how can question. The how can question, then whatever it is that we want to know, the how can I be sincere, how can I be determined, how can I be austere, how can I distribute more books, how can I this, how can I that, then if we have a desire to develop any particular quality, then we can associate with and take guidance from devotees in who we perceive as having those qualities. And we can start to act, at least externally, in that manner ourselves. And we can pray to Krishna to please infuse me with this quality. So in this case, how can I appreciate devotees if my heart's full of envy? Well, we can start to we can associate with devotees who do appreciate and we can start to act on that platform. That means even if we feel envious, we can start to praise devotees and then automatically that will come. That okay. quality will begin. And what to do if we don't have such persons around us? We don't have persons around us because, because we are envious and we don't see anyone like that. <laughs> They may be all around us, but we won't see them. If you think everyone in the world is bad, myslíte, then you become Duryodhana. Sent by Dronacharya to find... Go find a good person. Acharya go find a person with good qualities. When he went out, came back at the end of the day, said, couldn't find anyone. And Yudhishthir was sent out all day to search for a person with bad qualities, came back at the end of the day and said, I couldn't find anyone. <coughs> so, in such... Hmm? Better, better than yeah, yeah. Better than you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Better or worse than. So what can I say? Read Mahabharata and try to try to take Yudhishthira's side and not Duryodhana's side. If you insist on being hopeless, then what can we do? You can give some advice for betterment, but if you if you insist that I must be envious, I am envious and I will be envious. Can you help me? No. So I go to the doctor and say, you know, I have a terrible cough and I, I smoke 50 cigarettes a day. So you tell me some, uh, you give me some treatment by which I can be cured and still go on smoking 50 cigarettes a day. It's not possible. There has to be some will to change. Okay, my time's up. It's time for Kadamakana Maharaj to come in. <laughs> can can ask him to come because sometimes they... Out of politeness, is it okay? Yeah. You all want to take a break in between, or stretch your legs, turn around. Yeah, yeah, I can keep these questions. So I'm not going to finish anyway. I have lots of nice questions. Keep me busy. He just he asked, what if we don't find anyone like that around us? He he didn't mean for this enviousness, but for. For instance, when you spoke about book distribution, that how can we become better in book distribution? So You're what the best book distributor? You distribute more books than anyone else? Oh, that's good. Jai. Well, then you should 
then in that case you can increase your book distribution by teaching others to do so, helping others. Okay, so maybe not not even just book distribution, but or other some other cases because, like in Slovakia, they are young yatra. There are not many experienced persons around them. So where can they find guidance? You can write a whole series of letters to every senior devotee and ask them to come. If you send an, if you send by email, I suggest don't send a letter to addressed to 50 sannyasis at once and no one will even read it. You have to send each one individually with their name and then they'll think it's a personal letter to me. That's the way to do it. Another thing is that most of our sannyasis are very much stretched for time. It's difficult to get a hold of them but there are many other senior devotees who are maybe not so well known who are You have lots of experience in Krishna consciousness and will be very happy to share that with you. Jai Guru Dei Prabhu is one of the famous names in book distribution in the days when our whole movement didn't hardly ever thought of doing anything else except book distribution. So because he doesn't jump up on a big seat every time he sees one, you might think he's useless, but you call him and get churn the realizations out of him. Often you don't recognize advanced devotees because of their humility i i'll tell you you can you can there are many devotees actually in europe we have you can ask mahaduti prabhu to come he's town president in london he's traveling around more and more now then there's uh, kripa moy prabhu in england these are some of my god brothers you can mm-hmm. ask him to come There are so many. And not only Prabhupada's disciples, but there are many senior devotees who are disciples of Prabhupada's disciples also. In uh, in Nottingham in England, there's one devotee couple, disciples of Shivara Maharaj. They're both doctors. And they're preaching through many years, for many years through their medical profession. And they're, they're having a lot of success in that. So I just happened to meet the... Uh, Hare Krishna Dasi the, the better half of this couple so she was telling me about their their preaching they would be a very couple a very good couple to give guidance to young grihastas of course they're also like they're also very busy but they do come to Hungary from time to time they're disciples of Shiva Maharaj so maybe you could ask them to come over I can give you their email address Like that, these are just, there are so many devotees actually, you can, you can ask to come and give some guidance and association. So, shall we finish there? I'd like to make a advertisement for my books here and try and distribute them, so if anyone would like to take, please take, they're written on the order of Srila Prabhupada for the furtherance of his mission and uh, many devotees are expressing that it's helping them in their understanding and appreciation of Srila Prabhupada and his mission.